podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Can you do me a couple of ones in a change? Yeah. Fag machine takes one, don't Yeah, yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones. Right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him 30, right? You give him the 10 bob back, and you owe him, if I'm right, 22 pence. <laughs> that's wrong, isn't it? Simon Day and Friends, featuring Billy Bleach and Dave Angel from BBC's The Fast Show. Friday, July the 3rd, 8.30, live on Facebook. Tickets only £5. Go to biletto.co.uk and search Simon Day and Friends. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams, niche nonsense, or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. Uh, three guests this week. One has spent a lifetime working in broadcasting. The second, a lifetime working in football. And the third, a lifetime doing something else, but I couldn't work out what it was. Um, in no particular order, a very warm welcome to John Stapleton, Roger Reed, and Paul Denby. Gentlemen, welcome to the Man City Show. Thank you. Um, Thank you, sir. Uh, listen, let's cut this. Uh, let's deal with this straight away. Liverpool are Premier League champions. Congratulations to them. Uh, we give them a guard of honour this week as they come to the Etihad. Let's just start with that. Why did it happen? What's been the difference this season from last? John, do you, do you want to kick us off? What's been the big difference? Why are well, they the champions and not City this year? At the risk of, uh, of being accused of sour grapes, I'll say the obvious straight away. I think I've been a bit lucky um, from time to time. But, you know, uh, good teams ride their luck and make the most of it. And Liverpool certainly did. I mean, we can't argue. They're 23 points ahead. You know, we've lost, what is it, seven? Or is it now eight games? I can't, I can't remember. It. But too many, that's for sure. And they didn't lose. And they kept winning by the old goal. They had a bit of luck with dodgy goalkeepers here and there. They had a bit, a bit of luck with, uh, in my view, slightly dodgy decisions from time to time. But you sort of need that to, to, to win that league. Uh, and they had it by the bucket full from time to time. But having said all that, you know, as I said, uh, I mentioned a moment ago, they're 23 points ahead. They're a very, very good team. And I think it's only right and proper that you know, we should give them a guard of honour, as is tradition, uh, when we meet them at the Etihad on, on, on Thursday. And they, they fully deserve it. And uh, congratulations. Fully deserve it, Rog. Men against boys. Streets ahead they were. Yeah, congratulations to Liverpool. They they have uh, taken it to another level this season. But I think they've got City to thank for the fact that they've stepped up this season because it was us winning the league last season that I think gave them that extra steel, that extra determination to do better, to get one better, to get one position higher than they were last year and taking them to an amazing new level. I think John's right. They've had a, a, an amazing amount of luck, VAR decisions that frankly, City have just never seen. Um, but maybe that sounds like sour grapes, so I'll just stick to saying congratulations to Liverpool. Do you want to add anything, anything different then, Paul? Are you, you, what's your view of the Guard of Honour? Are you, you happy about that, or do you think Pep should have been, uh, been less generous? 
No, I'm pretty comfortable with it. They're the best team in the league this season. Agree with everything that's just been said. Um, the Guard of Honour shows a bit of class. If we hadn't done it, then we'd have been accused of sour grapes. So I think it's the right thing to do. At the end of the day, last season, we had hoped to win it against Trafford or before Trafford. So they had to give us a Guard of Honour. So we can't have it both ways where we wanted our opponents to do a Guard of Honour and we don't want to do it for them. They're the best team. They're not 23. Yeah, factually, they're 23 points ahead of us. They're not 23 points better over uh, a prolonged season. If it was like that, if you could really look at it, they've had, they've, said, they've wrote a look. We've been decent, but we've had too many bad results where we've just not gelled and we've just lost stupid games and we can't complain. Uh, at the end of the day, if City's best team plays Liverpool's best team, let's see what happens on Thursday night if we're both up for it. That will see, set it for next season. And when you look, John, at the, the results in the game against Chelsea uh, a few days ago, um, that kind of almost summed up our season, didn't it? You know, poor defending, uh, lost another defeat. Unlike you, I can't remember if it's seven or eight now either. I think it might be eight, I'm not sure. Um, it but, is. but that kind of did, that kind of did sum up our season, didn't it, pretty much, John? I think that, that performance against Chelsea it was t- typical City, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know what Fernandinho was was thinking of, um, and, and uh, you know, defensive errors. You, you paid the price. I mean, once again, we had a, a match where we, you know, had, had most of the play, had most of the possession, uh, looked to the classier side, and two two silly mistakes. I mean, Mendy for me, you know, I'm, I hate to come back to this. I've said it before. Uh, I mean, my heart's not exactly in my mouth every time he gets the ball, but he, I I think he's 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 not cut the mustard, frankly. And, uh, you know, that, that cock-up between him and Gundogan, which was principally Mendy's fault, in my opinion, um, you know, it was unfortunate, to put it mildly, and uh, it cost us a turn the game, really. And uh, Fernandinho, well, you know, unfortunate, I suppose, in, in, in a way. But we threw it away. We gifted them, we gifted them the result. Rog, your, your reflections on the Chelsea game? Well, yeah, I, th- I think the mistake was was obviously unfortunate. I've, I've got to say, watching uh, the, the mistake that Mendy made against Chelsea, and then probably the first twenty minutes in Newcastle, I was watching it thinking, "Have we re-signed Michael Frontsek at left back?" <laughs> because he really did look, you know, a little bit, a little bit like a Sunday League player. I'm pleased to say he did get better against Newcastle, actually, Mendy. And sometimes when you're not playing well and your confidence perhaps isn't as high. You know, mistakes are inevitable. But, um, yeah, I, I, I just wonder sometimes with him. And uh, I, I just think it's about confidence. Maybe giving him a run of games, we might see something of the Mendy that we all want to see. But I just don't think City have ever really seen him put a run together at any point, either through injury or through not being in the team or whatever. But we've just not seen the Mendy that played for Monaco. I mean, he was outstanding for Monaco. He was he was a standout talent, and I was so excited when we signed him, uh, Paul. He's, he has been a, a huge disappointment, as Rog says, injuries and, and his performances. But he was fantastic for Monaco. He was brilliant. The games I saw him for Monaco, he was uh, when we saw that we'd signed him. I was delighted. I thought great, fantastic left back, good going forward. He could also defend a bit. We thought. Um, but you're, you're asking a bit of a comparison with City and Liverpool. I've got a thing I'll throw in here. I'm not sure we've discussed this one before. I think one of the key differences, Laporte aside being injured, is our two full-backs versus their two full-backs. Robertson and Alexander-Arnold, the way they whip the ball into that 
penalty area for Liverpool and creates so many chances. And you look at Walker and Mendy's crossing, which is at best occasionally gets the right man, but at worst is atrocious. And I yeah, think that's a big difference. Well, I, I, and I would just add, if I can dip in there, you know, we, we got rid of Koroff. Is Mendy any better than Koroff? I mean, Koroff was a great cross of the ball. He wasn't a great defender, but now there's Mendy. Mendy's a lousy defender. I mean, do you remember that game at, at uh, Wembley against Spurs? I mean, all right, muddy pitch and all that sort of stuff, and bizarre markings on the pitch from a previous uh, American football game. But, you know, all, all excuses, it could have been excuses, but not, not justifiable excuses in my view. Terrible, absolute disastrous game. And we, we paid a fortune for this guy. And I know he's been, I know he's had a, a string of injuries. I, I'm sorry for him on that, on that account, but... You know, at least in the early stages, he looked very, he looked very dangerous going forward. If dodgy at the back, now he doesn't even look that dangerous going forward, in my view. Certainly, no better than Kolarov. I mean, the other reason's got to be obviously the Laporte injury, which we covered a number of yeah. times on the show, and it, and it, it really has been a big miss and makes a big difference. That we can talk about the fullbacks, but that that centre back pairing is so important, and and that's not been right, has it, really, Rog? I don't think for for a while. No, you, you're spot on, Nigel, and, and I think if we're honest as well, the the other part of this is that yes, we've got options at centre back, which are you know John Stones, Osamendi, we've got Young Garcia coming through as well. But Laporte is our only left-sided choice. So that's why we missed him, because everyone else is trying to do, you know, to, to cover the fact that we're, uh, they're not left-footed for a starter uh, and they're playing on the left side where they would be much more comfortable playing on the right side. Laporte, I, I think Paul's spot on. I think Laporte's injury was key to us uh, and we lost games that, frankly, we wouldn't have lost last season. Uh, as a result of him not being in the team. Him coming back and hopefully getting an extended run now, however, makes us look so much stronger. I felt for him yesterday because he was absolutely battered by Andy Carroll. It was a bit like Muhammad Ali when he was fighting Sonny Liston. It was, it was like being in a boxing ring, wasn't it? Because, I mean, frankly, that, that's what you get with Andy Carroll. Um, and I, I felt for him. But he was brave. He stood up to it. He, you know, he kept getting up every time he, he knocked him down. And we need that bravery. We need that left-sided balance in, in the back four as well. And uh, I think he will, his strength and him playing on top of his game, will player that I really believe he can become. I, I, thought, I thought Andy Carroll was very lucky not to get uh, a red card yesterday. I mean, it was just this side of thuggery, in my view. Um, it, you know, three occasions at least. I think it was two before he got a yellow card, if, if not three. Uh, and if the elbow wasn't in the face, the arm was. And it was, you know, it, and, it, and, and don't tell me it wasn't deliberate. You're right. And the good news is that it's, it's actually, that was how the English game was 20 years ago as well, John. Yeah, but so not anymore. Thank the Lord for uh, Pep Guardiola yeah. and people who brought the new way of playing the game into the country. Paul, I yeah, think you've got, some, Paul, you've got something to say. Yeah, we're saying exactly the same here, that uh, 20 years ago, that was, the, that was the norm, but it shouldn't be the norm today. And Andy Carroll got away with, not quite murder, but it wasn't too far away. I thought he should have had a yellow card before the one he got, because yeah. he's, he's using his arms and, yeah, he's bordering on yellow cards every single time. So maybe he's taking it to the ultimate limit and getting away with it, but I, I don't like it. Paul, can I just ask you then, and we'll, we'll move on to sort of a, a great, another great FA Cup story, another trip to the Etihad South, of course, coming up, and we can maybe talk about why is it at Wembley, but I think we know the answer to that already. Um, your, your thoughts, Paul, going forward then to the close season, talking about the defensive frailties that, that we've got, 
as Roger rightly pointed out, our only left-sided centre-back. We've got issues at full-back. Where do you think we've got gaps? Is, is it just at full-back, or where else do you expect to see Pep moving in the transfer market once the close season's upon us? Well, I think we we talk about this quite <coughs> don't we? We, we? we come up with suggestions. I mean, Walker had looked good most of the season. He's had a better season this season than last season. And maybe the fact that he's got pressure on his position or more pressure than he had last season has helped him. I, I think Walker's a reasonable player. I don't understand why he can't get a decent cross in, though. I mean, that, that, for a professional footballer, it's very disappointing. Mendy, I think time is just about running out on Mendy. I was a huge fan of his, as I said a few minutes ago. So if we can find a left back that can uh, replace him, because Zinchenko is not the answer. I mean, Zinchenko, bless him, has done a great job for us, but he's not a, he's not a top-class quality left back that we need um, so so we do need somebody in there as well and I'd like Garcia to partner Laporte but I'd, equally Stones and Otamendi must be on the way you'd have thought Fernandinho even if we play him there can't play every single game I would like another centre half as well so I guess I'm saying certainly a left back in the centre half uh, is what we need um, in there Silva's retiring so therefore you've got Foden to naturally replace him and with um, Sane almost certainly on his way, we need we need somebody else to put pressure on that left side of the midfield, the, the wingers' position. And and then you say, do we need a forward as well? Well, <laughs> possibly. Aguero is, is his final season at best, so we need to think about that as a minimum to to support Jesus, who I'm, I'm still a fan of. All right. So so thanks for that. We we've got Paul pitching in for I think a left back, a centre back. A, a sort of a left winger to replace Sane and, and another forward. That's a bit of a shopping list, uh, list, isn't it, John? It is a big shopping list, and I, I don't think we'll do all of that, but it, I, I certainly agree with some of it. I, I, I'm not sure about, about. Uh, I mean, centre-back certainly. John Stones, I'm, I'm afraid, I don't think has, has made the grade. He's been inconsistent, to put it mildly. Otamendi's coming to the end of his days. I, I'm more benevolent about Zinchenko, uh, than previ- previously mentioned. But the other thing I was going to say was, and this uh, the risk of sounding deeply controversial, although uh, yesterday was a joy to watch in many ways, um, and we have the, the sort of Harlem Globetrotters of football when we play football. Like that. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was an exhibition match. Was it? it wasn't even a contest for the 75%. Yeah, you're right, John. Yeah. You know, I mean, that wasn't a match. Uh, and that was partly down to the tactics employed by Steve Bruce, but it wasn't a proper football match at all. But having said all that, what I would perhaps cynically in, uh, call tippy-tappy football, which is what we did, we did in abundance yesterday with 80, nearly 80 or sometimes over 80% possession, is, is slightly frustrating to watch. And also, you know, on that occasion at least, and on previous occasions, it doesn't result in goals. Our two goals yesterday came from a penalty and a three-pass strike, basically. You know, that wonderful pass from Laporte. I think, I think it was uh, Jesus who then passed it to Sterling, and that fantastic goal from Ryan Sterling. Three passes, right? The rest of the time, we are, we are trying to get through a defensive wall, which is sometimes eight or nine men deep, right, through the centre of the park. And, you know, while there were some magical moments, there was one sequence of passing at the end, towards the end, about two-thirds of the way through the second half, which was just a joy to watch. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. But it doesn't get goals. Now, maybe, mm-hmm. at the risk of sounding a bit controversial, maybe we have to rethink a little bit about that, uh, those tactics, certainly in some games. 
like Newcastle. That Newcastle game yesterday just reminded me of one, I can't remember, it was last year or the year before when Benitez was in charge. And we did exactly that, all the possession, and they won 1-0 in the last five minutes or something like that, you know. And they could easily have got one back, of course, at 1-0. Of course, that Gale, Mr. Sitter. Exactly. Yeah. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. In terms of... uh... Uh, Roger, what's your shopping list looking like then, uh, based on the, the left back, centre back, Sane left side winner and a forward? Are you, are you John saying maybe we don't need quite as much as that? Are you in the Paul camp or the John John camp? Would you say? I'm in both camps. I'm with them both actually. In fact, just if I can just add to what John said, I've got this thing about City, which is that we we aren't brilliant at shooting. Uh, I watched Riyad Mahrez, who's a fantastic player, who's right on form yesterday at Newcastle. And he had two or three chances and didn't hit the target. He didn't make the goalkeeper save it. Now, I've got this theory, and it's a very simple game football, but if you're going to score, you have to get the ball under the crossbar and between the posts. And the only person who's going to stop that going in is then the goalkeeper. So in other words, get your shots on target and make the goalkeeper save it, be accurate. And we're not. We're just not being accurate. And the thing that really gets me is that Liverpool, I hate to say this, but they are brilliant at scoring from outside the box. They scored two against Crystal Palace the other night from outside the box, from probably 25 yards away. They always score against City at Anfield from outside the box. They always score at least once every season against us, one goal from outside the box. We hardly ever shoot from outside the box, never mind, you know, consider having uh, developing the opportunity. And I think there is something in what John was saying about shooting. Now, coming back to your question, Nigel, yeah, for me, um, I think we need to think long and hard about left back. We need to think long and hard about centre back. The names that I've heard uh, are Koulibaly from Napoli and Ake from uh, Bournemouth. I'd go with either of them. I know people are talking about Koulibaly. He was uh, he was 29 last week, so people are thinking he's a little bit old. Yeah, maybe he is, but... Well, would you pay what, 72 million for him? Would you, well, 70 I, think, I think... Yeah, I think you're right, John. That, that's a steep, a, a big ask, isn't it? Particularly Someone with, 29? Uh, yeah, well, I would if you're going to get four or five years out of him. Hmm. The problem with that is that there will be limitations then on what else we can buy. Um, and, of course, you know, I do think we need another couple of players. One other player that's crossed the mind, by the way, and I know he's been mentioned already, is um, Dwight McNeil, uh, left side at uh, Burnley. 
I think he's going to be a great left-sided uh, player for the future. And Burnley, I think, are having problems at the moment. So maybe there's a chance he might be looking for a move. Yep. We've mentioned Sane going. I'm, I'm just wondering, we, we briefly talked about this on last week's show, just your thoughts on how sad you are to see that, whether it was inevitable, maybe not enough of a pep player, head goes down too much, doesn't work hard enough for the team, clearly a talent, and has scored some great goals and, and lit up the Etihad on many, many occasions. But your thoughts, uh, Roger, on, on Sane going, how, how disappointed, upset are you to see him go? Really, really disappointed. I, I've said on, on the podcast before, and I just, you know, I've had arguments with people on the podcast who worried about Sane's consistency. I think he's going to be an absolute world-class player. He reminds me a, a little bit of the new Ronaldo. I think in the next five years, he'll become the new Ronaldo, and uh, he's a hell of a player, and we will miss him. Wow, that's a big claim. Are you, are you, you, you as enthusiastic about him as disappointed, Paul? Yes, I am. I said that when we signed and we watched Sane play, if you'll forgive me, he was as good, uh, would potentially be as good as Ryan Giggs. I thought that highly of him. And let's be honest, Giggs was a fantastic footballer, although he played for the opposition. Um, Sane, well, on form, Sane's one of the best players in the Premiership. Unfortunately, he doesn't have his form as regular as a world-class player should have. Whether he reaches the Ronaldo scale will depend on his attitude going forward. So, yes, I'm sad to see him go. But there again, if he wants to go, we can't keep him. You know, and let, let's transfer him, get as much money as we can in the summer and use that money wisely. Are you as big a fan, John? Or are you with me saying that actually his head went down too often and I don't think he's, he worked as hard as he could for the team as some of the other players and the improvements we've seen? I, I'm not, I think you're I'm, right. I'm not, I'm not that Okay, I think you're right about about that to some degree, and and, and often t- teams have one player like that. But for me, he's a game changer. You know, I recall that game played in Icelandic conditions at at, at Arsenal a, a season or so ago. I mean, it absolutely cut in from the outside and scored. I think one and not two. I can't remember exactly now. I mean, he's a brilliant footballer. You know, a stunning footballer. I mean, the. I mean, you, you, you remember that, you know, it's perhaps not that surprising when you recall that his dad played for Sonny Gall and his mother was an Olympic athlete, you know, what, what, a, what a product they, they produced. I think he's a great, great player, game changer. I put him in the side every week, frankly, and I know he doesn't perform as brilliantly as, as, uh, as one would wish every single time, but I think it's very sad to see him go, but I also think that, you know, if he doesn't want to be there, Pep's absolutely spot on. There's no point in keeping him there. Uh, if, if he doesn't want to play, he's done what eleven minutes to see if he's been fit. Um, you know, so Pep, Pep is obviously saying, "Sorry, mate, if you don't want to be with us, you're not with us." End of story. And when when I heard of his parents, it reminded me of the Brightwell boys, of course, who, yeah. who were sons of yeah. Anne Packer and Robbie Brightwell. For those yeah. who's old enough to remember that athletic duo, but there we indeed, go. I so. do remember very well. And indeed, <laughs> yes, I, I remember the mum and dad. In fact, I, mum, his mum and dad sometimes come to the games. I've seen them a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, let's talk positively, a bit, bit more positive then about the, the FA Cup, because I, I, I take on board what you say, Roger, about shooting, but it was a bit of a masterclass. I think it was, uh, you described as the Harlem Globetrotters a football at, at, one, at one time. So it, it, what, what about, I'm keen to just explore a little bit about what I noticed, a, a few sort of tactical and positional changes, and, and De Bruyne seems to be playing a lot deeper, I thought. Um, would that be fair to start with at least? Uh, are you asking me now? Sorry, Roger. Yeah, 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 sure. 
I, I think so. I think he did sit a bit deeper yesterday, but I think that was partly because we knew the tactics were going to be that Newcastle were going to get 10 men behind the ball and their third uh, was going to be full of Newcastle players. So he can see things that other players can't see and having him in that sort of deeper position meant that he could thread things through, he could get things wide. You know, I, I thought it was it was a brilliant performance. As you say, forgive me, I'm not in any way having a go against uh, about City's performance yesterday. I, I thought they were brilliant. But we do, we tend to need so many chances before we score a goal. Um, and I, I just think, you know, I know it's a fast game. I know it's tough um, getting the shots in sometimes on target because the ball moves so fast these days. But, you know, I think unless we get that ball on target and make the keeper save it, we're not going to we're not going to have a good record of scoring goals from the chances we create. Uh, Sterling looked decent yesterday, I thought, didn't he, Paul? He looked uh, looked back to his best. He looked, I think, in the second half. His first half was he was getting better. I didn't think straight away he had a great game, but he he was improving throughout the game, and that's much needed because, as, as we know, the three months before the break he wasn't on form, and he's not really done too much since he came back. So. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come because we need it from players like Sterling. And John, in terms of Wembley, I think the statistic that's been banded around, it's what, our 16th trip in 10 years, I think I read somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I'm calling it Etihad South, which we've done for a while. Your thoughts and reflections on a sort of a Manchester team and a London team having to sort of traipse all the way to London. Um, obviously no fans, I know, but... but the, the sense of still having this at Wembley, does it with no fans? Does it? Well, what's your, what's uh, your thinking and reflections on that? Well, I'm sort of schizophrenic about Wembley in many ways um, because I, I, I found it, the, the price is outrageous um, and scandalous. You know, thirty quid to park your car, eight quid for a pint of pint. I mean, you know, for any family, oh, I can afford it. We know I can hear people saying, "Oh, you could afford it." Well, of course, you can afford it. But you know, if you, if um, you know, if you're coming down from from the north with 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 two kids, and you you even even driving yourself down, it's a heck of a lot of money. And what we're doing, of course, is paying the price for the cock up of the where they cock up the buildings of the stadium. Uh, and it's all right. Wembley saying, "Oh well, it's not. We don't impose those charges, the franchises." But you know, I'm sorry, uh, those franchises are being paid. I presume are being are being charge ex- extraordinary rents and leases to, to, to get in there in the first place, and that's why the prices are as high as they are. Anyway, enough of the rant. But, so, but I, you know, having said all that, it still does have that magic for me. It's, it's a fantastic stadium. And, I'd, you know, obviously it would make more sense if the semi-finals were played in, on this particular occasion. In the Midlands, it would be fair in a sense, on, on, on both teams. But it doesn't have the magic of Wembley. And then having said that, and this is why I'm so confused and conflicted about this, um, my, the magic of Wembley was really about it, it, it only being the venue for the FA Cup final, not the venue for the FA Cup final and the semis. And having the semis there, you can argue, takes a bit of the magic away from the final. But at the end of the day, Wembley's Wembley for me, and it's a great trip out. And it, it means it's something special. I should think every player worth his salt you know, wants to play at Wembley at least once in, in his life. Uh, and therefore, I, I'm, I'd say keep it there. And, you know, if it helps them balance the book, keep it there. But then you have the semi finals there and, and the final as well. 
Uh, Roger, your thoughts? Obviously, uh, as we know, there's not going to be any fans in the, in the stadium this time. Uh, I accept what John said for, for previous finals and semi-finals. The price has been ridiculous. But but knowing that there are literally going to be no fans in the stadium, is is it is it right? It's all to do with contracts, I'm sure, and it's all to do with money, as we know. But uh, is is it right still to use Wembley? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm an old romantic, so I remember the old Villa Park and Hillsborough semi-final yeah. days, and, and I would much prefer that option. But I understand the FA situation, and uh, obviously they're wanting to recoup as much money as they can. I hear today that the FA are struggling financially, and they're looking for a number of ways of cutting back. Now, one of the, one of the thoughts that immediately springs to mind then is, well, opening Wembley, there is a fixed cost about opening Wembley. Bearing in mind, there obviously is not going to be anyone there and there is no income. So therefore, if there's a fixed cost of, I don't know, half a million pounds just to open Wembley to play the game there, surely they could save that by staging games, uh, I don't know, kidding Mr. Harriers. There's no, there's no reason on this planet why we can't stage them in the Midlands with the draw being a London club against a Manchester club. You know, if we if we stay to draw in the Midlands, Kidderminster Harriers overhead will be nil. Um, you know, they'll be delighted to get the publicity, delighted to get the game. The pitch will be in condition. Um, you know, why are we playing the game there? Because it, frankly, it doesn't. There's nobody there anyway, so it doesn't. The, the stadium itself is irrelevant. Um, yeah, there, you, there, I, you go, there you go, Strato. You'll tell us a semi FA Cup semi final ever been held at Kidderminster Harriers before? I think I know the answer, but just can you confirm for us, <laughs> Strato? I can definitely confirm there's never been an FA Cup semi final at Kidderminster Harriers. There's plenty of ground in the past that we use for semi finals, but not Kidderminster's ground. Your thoughts about Wembley then, Strato? Well, for this semi-final, I mean, contractually, I think they've got to play it there, although I don't quite see why the FA couldn't just turn around and say, we don't need it there this year, and agree totally. Well, you know, Kidderminster, great. Villa Park, why can't you just play the games at Villa Park or Hillsborough? Somewhere, I mean, Midlands, Hillsborough, uh, Villa Park, is perfect for the two matches, London v Manchester. Uh, I don't get it. There's no, there's no fans travelling to play at Villa Park, both matches. Consecutive days, it's, it's obvious, really. Don't understand why they're doing it, to be honest. And looking forward to the rest of the season, Stato. Obviously, we've got a, an FA Cup semi-final. We know we know our opponents, Arsenal, and if we win that, we've either got Chelsea or Stratford in in the final. So, you know, we're, people are talking about us being favourites. Uh, we've of course got the Champions League as well, with with the Premier League now gone to Liverpool. Your thoughts and reflections for the rest of the season? How, how do you think it might, and how do you hope it might pan out for City? Well, clearly, the, the, thought, the, the hope was that we win both the trophies. Um, semi-final record, City have got a fantastic semi-final record in the FA Cup. Um, here's one of your stats for you. I've played 14 semi-finals today, won 11 of them. It's the highest percentage win of any team that's played more than about two or three. So um, hopefully that will be maintained. But we do own revenge against Arsenal. As you recall, they beat us in the, I think it was 2017 semi-final when uh, we had a goal disallowed that VAR would have shown would have been allowed. Um, so, yeah, semi-final, we, we're favourites for, for it, but whoever we get in the final, if we get through, it's still going to be a tough game. There are you know, four decent teams in the semis this, this time around. And after the Champions League, well, I hope you leave to make that decision fairly promptly about where the second leg is going to be played, because it's totally and utterly unfair to play it at a neutral ground. Because uh, I don't know what they'll then think about away goals 
uh, wish to have away goals, but they can't have away goals. And I don't know how they work. That's stupid um, rule if that's the way they want to do it. But um, Bayern Munich is still, in my mind, still the favourites for that. Is that still a serious proposal, by the way? Sorry to interrupt. Is that, that, that we might have to play the second leg against Real Madrid in Lisbon? In, uh, in Not in Lisbon, I think, but in Portugal, yes. Portugal. Uh, it will be decided in mid-July. That's outrageous. You know, I, well, apart from that, Portugal's got a serious uh, coronavirus problem at the minute, so it's not going to be Lisbon. But it, that's ridiculous. I, I, I read that and I thought, that can't be right. But, oh, good heavens, that's crazy. Your thoughts about the rest of the season then, John, in terms of uh, what, what your hopes and expectations are then? With two, I, think two we're gonna, I think we're going to win the FA Cup. Uh, I think we'll beat Arsenal, and I think we could take on either of the other two with, without uh, much trouble. I'm not quite so confident about the Champions League, given, and I hate to sound pessimistic, but you know we do seem to have a, the wobbles every, you know, not every time we, we uh, get involved in the Champions League, but too often. Um, we're well on the way, having done so well against Real Madrid, um, but you know it's a, it's a tough call, is that one? It's a very tough call indeed. I hope I'm wrong, but I think, yes, win the FA Cup. I'm not entirely certain we'll get past the semis in the Champions League. Um, Rog, your thoughts finally on that? Yeah, I, th- I think um, we've obviously got the Premier League games left. We've got Liverpool on Thursday, which effectively now for me, with the Premier League being decided, is a top-quality uh, practice match for us. Um, the, the run in the last four league games we've got are Brighton away, Bournemouth home, Watford away and Norwich at home. So we're going to play a, a part in the relegation issue. They're all comparatively good sides for us to be playing in terms of trying to reach tip-top form for the, for the Champions League. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm quite happy about that. I think Arsenal in the semi is a good draw for us because we've beaten them fairly easily home and away this season. Confidence is high. Uh, I think there is no reason why we shouldn't overcome Arsenal and reach the final again. Uh, and again, the final will be another top practice match ready for the for the Champions League um, when we come back in, in August. Um, I agree, however, that Bayern Munich look on top form to me. Uh, and for me, they're by far the, the favourites to, to win the Champions League. We, we've got to be so much better defensively. You can't make one mistake if you're going to play a team like Bayern Munich. And, um, as Chelsea found to their cost, of course. Uh, let's look at these uh, next couple of games then before the next show then, Stato. Uh, we've got Thursday uh, night Liverpool, as we said, and then Southampton at the weekend. I mean, that, that Liverpool game, it's, it's an interesting one. It's kind of, you can look at it either as a dead rubber. Um, you know, they won the league. We're pretty much nailed on for second. We're focusing now on the FA Cup and the Champions League. But, but what will the two managers and the players be thinking in, in an empty stadium? How will they be approaching this, do you think? Well, they'll both want to win that match. It's, it doesn't matter whether they've won the league and whether we're not playing for anything in that. We're playing for pride. We're playing to show that we are at least as good as Liverpool in a one-off match, and I think we are. Um, so there's a lot to play for in that game. I think it sets the scene for next season as well. If we feel we can beat them, then it's, it's, it's a great result for us. Uh, they'll be able to prove that they are better than us and they'll be going for it. Uh, they're after the points record, after all our records that we set two seasons ago as well. So let's be honest, we need to take three points off them to, to reduce their chances of getting all these records. So mm-hmm. I think it's a big match, regardless of the fact that um, they've won the league and we've got nothing to play for in the league. It's still 
um, there'll be a lot of people looking at and um, paying a lot of attention to that game. Big match, John, from your sofa, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly, sadly, how I miss it, and I'm sure we all miss it. Yeah, it's a huge match, and I'm, I think City will be absolutely, you know, determined to win it for a whole variety of reasons, some of which have already been been outlined. Just to remind them that we are on their tails in every respect, and we will be uh, next season as well. No, I think I think it's a massive, massive game. Uh, and uh, you know we sh- we should be. Well, I'm sure we will be doing everything we can to make sure it's a victory. We'll give them the guard of honour and then beat them four nil. I'm joking. <laughs> I hope you're right. Listen, yeah. uh, it, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you to my three guests. A lifetime in broadcasting, of course, John Stapleton. A lifetime working in football, Roger Reed, and a lifetime in giving us statistics. Thanks to Paul Denby. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network.